Welcome to Grand Turbo MoneyCast, where you will hear the answers to many of your investment questions. The material you are about to receive is neither a solicitation nor an offer to buy or sell any securities. Please remember, all investments bear risk. Now, on to our show featuring Gregory Anderson, CEO of Granderson Wealth Management Group in Denver. Hi, I'm Steve Koch. I'm here today with Gregory Anderson on Grand Turbo MoneyCast. And today we're going to be talking about inflation. We're going to be talking about how inflation can affect your portfolio, what what we can expect out of inflation in the coming months, maybe even years, and of course also what you can do about it. Thanks for joining us today, Gregory. Thank you very much, Steve. It's great to be here. This is a very, very important topic in regards to how inflation affects the portfolios for our investors. And it's a very timely topic because we see it in the media every day and clients are asking about it all the time. So I would like to delve into inflation. Let's go. So inflation right now is about, what, 5.4%, which is higher than anybody was really expecting even six months ago, I think. And also trending higher a little more rapidly than people were expecting six months ago. What's behind it? Well, what's happened is people are seeing it as a result of food prices, going to the pump, gas prices, they're seeing that. And it's really hitting everybody's pocketbook. And it's a lot different than it was 18 months ago when we were in the beginning of the pandemic, prices were down. Uh, So this is really on the forefront of everybody's mind because it hits the pocketbook directly. What's causing it? Well, it's the expansion of the economy. That means that we're getting back to work. Uh, people are, are demanding goods, and that's causing prices to go up. And also maybe the shortage of goods as well. So there are a lot of moving so parts right now. Supply and demand Correct. problems, especially with the supply chain issues that we're seeing. People can't get what they want. And if they're not getting it. Also... My understanding is there is the issue or the component of the uh, money that was pumped into the economy by the by both administrations, Trump and Biden, uh, to take care of COVID problems. Right. The stimulus, it's the cash on the sidelines. It's it's there's a lot of money available. And we'll be talking about that a little bit later as far as a tip. And I wanted, I wanted to uh, delve oh, into that an as investment well. investment tip of the month. Oh, investment right. tip of the month. But <laughs> there's a lot of cash on the sidelines right now. So, And I think people are just a little bit unsure about what they should be doing with this money. And so it's in the bank. And also it's in the stock market too. So people are seeing where the rates are with going to the banks. And they're saying... I want to be able to get a little bit higher rate of return, and that causes inflation as well. And we're seeing it in stock prices as well. Okay. So I I want to get into the topic of how inflation's affecting people's investments and what they can do about it. But first, give me your impression of how bad this is historically, what we can expect 
What was your feel for it right now? Well, inflation has been low for the last decade or so, relatively two to three percent. And so to have it more than a hundred percent increase, it's significant to individual pocketbooks. And you don't mean a hundred percent rate of inflation. No, hundred percent increase. Like it was two and a half percent. One five percent. Right, right, right. It's it's significant. And Everybody sees it. It's not something that just maybe rich people or middle class or poor people see it. It's across the board. Everybody sees it. It affects everybody. everybody. But probably some people a little bit more than others. Correct. And and we will get into that a little bit later, too. I definitely want to set aside time for that. Okay. But let's go ahead and jump right into the investments that are most affected by inflation, the ones that are... Yeah. resistant or maybe a little resistant to inflation what are you advising your clients well we want to take advantage of investments that are trending along with inflation and one of the big ones that we've seen as far as uh, appreciation has been healthcare so healthcare costs are increasing and i believe it's a great place to to be in terms of placing money last year it was a great place this year it continues to trend upward another area that has done very well this year actually there are two the first one would be energy so companies like mobile exxonmobil for example um, drilling companies um, those type of investments, energy related to the uh, fossil fuels, have done very, very well. And uh, the other side of that is um, financial services. So the banks have done very, very well in regards to this expansive economy or inflation, as we're as we're uh, the topic of today. So. The other area that maybe uh, has not done as well is the increase in interest rates, which is a function of bond prices. So interest, when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. And so we're seeing, for exa- example, the 10-year treasury was about 1% at the beginning of the year. Right. It's trending toward 1.6, coming down to about 1.5. So we are seeing that rate of return on bonds being a very depressed situation right now. So as I mentioned, when interest rates go up, the value of bonds go down. Mm -hmm. Okay, so does that make bonds a, a bad investment right now? It makes it a very difficult investment to make right now. So there may be substitution, and what we're advising our clients is to look at investments like utilities, as well as real estate. So real estate investment trusts are a great place to be uh, and actually have done very well. They were depressed last year and that was a function of the economy shutting down. But as we return back to work, those types of investments, the real estate investment trusts have done very well, particularly with buildings. The office buildings have done well, medical buildings where we're seeing some challenges have been with hospitality and shopping centers. So that's another food group within real estate that has not uh, done as well. But, and that's just a function of um, the, the, you know, uh, shopping, let's say, at 
a brick and mortar store and, you know that would be like a shopping center for example and of course then travel has not been as robust as we had seen prior to the pandemic okay so you mentioned re retail basically shopping mm -hmm. brick and mortar at the same time and, and you look said at this earlier yeah at amazon. amazon just a few days ago right. really took a big hit and right. they, they said our, our earnings are down it's because of inflation right and you said earlier in this conversation uh, inflation affects everybody so yes. and, it's, and it can be a double-edged sword correct. correct because you have companies that go well I'm providing health care right people need health care and I'm just gonna charge what I have to charge right. and if that is higher because of inflation it's higher but there are some companies that are saying I have to buy supplies I, I have to buy uh, goods and I have to have resources to pr produce these goods and um, and, and I need to buy services to keep my business running, and I'm getting hit by inflation. So it's a double-edged sword. It is a double-edged sword, and then the supply. So if you're not able to get the goods and services to sell, then you can charge a little bit higher, and that, of course, creates the inflation as well. Okay. So should people just stay away from uh, the retail sector right now, stay away from the travel sector right now? Well, there are other opportunities in the market. If, if From an investment standpoint, there definitely is. And so being in the retail space is more difficult than it's ever been. And it's a function of the supply. So why don't we look at other investments that are going to benefit from an inflationary market? Mm -hmm. So it's so one of the and, and as far as bonds are concerned, we always talk about having bonds in a portfolio because there's a specific rate of return that we can calculate that the bonds produce. But when we're in a low in interest rate environment, it, it really creates some issues because then the interest rates start to go up as a, re, as a result of inflation. So it is, there's another double-edged sword. So that's the reason why we want to substitute utilities uh, because it pays a nice dividend and also some appreciation, as well as the real estate right now. The real estate investment trusts are a great way to get that a little bit more predictable uh, rate of return or interest that will supplement and augment the portfolio. Yeah. So we don't want to be all in equities, for example, but we want to have a balance between stocks and bonds, and then the and then a synthetic, I guess, would be kind of a utility or a real estate substitution okay, for the bonds. So I'm looking at my own portfolio and I'm saying uh, these interest rates make it almost meaningless for me to have my investments in bonds except that mm -hmm. they are obviously safer than than stocks. Um, typically safer. They're more Correct. conservative. Right. Um, and so I'm thinking... I have to go to dividends. I have to, I have to chase sure. the dividends. Correct. And, and so, are, are you thinking, Gregory, that, that in this inflationary environment, people need to be prepared to be a, a, a little more uh, uh, or a little less risk adverse, uh, willing to accept risk a little bit more in their portfolio? I think this has been a trend for at least... 
12, I'm sorry, yeah, a good 12 years. So from 2008, 2009, that environment, we have seen interest rates come down. And I'm talking about just from a bond standpoint where back in the 80s, where we were in a very hyperinflationary period where retirees, let's just look at retirees, for example, they could go to a bank and they could get 20% for one year on a, on a CD. And a lot of retirees were planning that way. Mm-hmm. So you contrast that with maybe, maybe you're looking at, like I said, a 10-year treasury, for example. Well, let's just do apples with apples. The best that you would see with a CD at a bank maybe would be 0.05%. So mm-hmm. if you want to put that in a calculator, that's 0.0005 versus 0. 0.20. So you can see that that's a significant difference. On a $100,000 CD, you're, you're looking at you know $20,000 a year uh, at 20% versus maybe you're looking at $500 on that on same, on $100,000. So it's a significant difference. So, so my, yeah. point, my point <laughs> to this environment right now that we're faced with is retirees where you're thinking, okay, I need to be a little bit more conservative with my portfolio. And that's kind of how we grew up is that I would start to use bonds as a way to get more predictable rates of returns. And so it makes it more difficult for our clients to get the same type of return. And actually the insurance or the 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 guarantee or the assurance that they will get that same kind of income. So that makes my job more difficult in terms of assuring my clients that they will get that that rate of return. Yeah. So it was a lot easier back in the 80s where you could you could get So, so yeah, so so something like utilities seems like a pretty good compromise. If I am risk adverse. Right. right. Utilities are pretty conservative, but you've got the dividend and you also have the possibility for appreciation. Might not be great, but you got it. Right. Exactly. So so when we're talking about the kinds of investments that you should look into in an inflationary environment, Warren Buffett is saying value stocks. Talk about that. Well, value just is stocks or equities that are relative to the marketplace. It's not, you know, hyper growth. It's predictable uh, rates of return. It's going to be the basic types of industries that people will need regardless of the economy. So utilities, banks are a great uh, place to usually get a good dividend. Uh, Energy, it's really... uh, transportation uh, to an to an extent is also another good place, but it's really predictable rates of return as far as dividends that you can count on on a quarterly basis. And right now you're looking at maybe two three percent, and then the opportunity for growth. And as um, as the rates of uh, returns on stocks then, uh, you know, go up. So do the equities in utilities as well as energy or transportation. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we talked last month about cryptocurrency. How is cryptocurrency affected in, the, in an inflationary environment, or is it? I don't think it is. I don't really think it is. Okay. Uh, there's really not a way to correlate. Um, so there are there's a school of thought of uh, as as the Federal Reserve maybe starts to increase interest rates because you know this week they held interest rates right. unchanged. Mm-hmm. And as those rates start to go up, then we'll probably see the cryptocurrency values increase as well. But it, there's really a there's not necessarily a correlation. Okay. So it's very very difficult okay. to uh, say you know as we get into an inflationary period, then this is where cryptocurrencies come into play. So it has been a great inflationary hedge to invest in silver or gold. Right. And that's it, that's that's wonderful to protect a portfolio. Is it? Okay, so uh, are, are gold and silver prices showing signs of... Not rent? as much as we would think. Given India? <laughs> <laughs> so we're in India? So we're in times right now where the past has not been a great reflection of what's going to happen in the future on you know it's it, it's so if if you are thinking inflation is going to be an issue and you want to use an alternative type of investment i think metals are good mm-hmm. um, the you know it could be platinum silver gold but what I'm professing today and what I'm recommending to my clients is real estate is a great place mm-hmm. to be um, as far as an inflation hedge. And I think that healthcare is a great place. And I'd mentioned this before in the first uh, podcast where the infrastructure, I believe the infrastructure is really going to be a great place to be as well. Once we see the legislation put in place, because that's going to be expansive, not only for the basic materials, construction, machinery, but also the individual professional companies that are engineering companies that will be able to provide that recommendation and consulting to the construction companies. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great place as well. You also mentioned transportation. What about uh, a component of transportation, which is shipping? Mm-hmm. Um, and how is that sector being affected by the supply chain problems, which of course is tied into the inflationary issues? Well, it's again supply and demand, and it's there's a tremendous, tremendous demand on shipping. So not only just with the cargo that's maybe coming from Asia, but also oil that's coming mm-hmm. from the Middle East. So those are great opportunities as well. So more than just the airlines that we think about naturally, or just the hotels. Um, you know, transportation plays a big part in that as well, and, and particularly the containers mm-hmm. and uh, cargo companies. Okay. You earlier mentioned the Federal Reserve, which is everybody kind of figures, well, the Federal Reserve is here to protect us against inflation. Um, you mentioned that there has been some discussion about the possibility of uh, increasing interest rates. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that as a tool for the Federal Reserve, so people understand that, and and so people can kind of prepare themselves for 
the meetings that the Federal Reserve has and how it's going to affect, again, their investments. Well, absolutely. And what, what's happened, as you mentioned earlier, is the Federal Reserve has basically been pumping in, the government's been pumping in um, additional dollars into the economy with the stimulus, for example. Everybody's very familiar with that. So we get into this expansive or inflationary economy, and the Federal Reserve Reserve says, well, we're growing too fast or there's too much inflation. How can we contain it? And so this policy, which is a little bit different than the policy that we experienced maybe in the 80s and 90s, where they just let the rates go wherever they may, where the government is, the Federal Reserve is actually controlling uh, how much money is coming into the economy. And this is a great way if you can increase the interest rates, then this would kind of slow down that inflationary environment. Control the interest rates that the Federal Reserve charges banks to borrow money. Correct. Correct. Uh, That's correct. Great. That's exactly right. Thank you for that clarification. So is this inflation right now, is it the worst it's been since the 80s or... I don't believe so. I mean, the numbers, I mean, this is, it's the time frame, you know, and that's the reason why I say if we look at where uh, inflation has been relative to the last 10 years, the last decade or so, this, it's, it's a lot higher than it was uh, or has been. And so that's the reason why there's concern. We're not in this, you know, hyperinflationary environment that we were in the 80s, for example, mm-hmm. and in the, in the 70s where, you know, oil prices were spiking and, and that really caused a huge amount of inflation in the economy. And so, and the, again, we were importing a lot of oil. Uh, we're a net supplier of oil and gas now, so we can kind of control that. And I think it's just goods and services because we don't produce what we once did in, in the United States. So we have to import those items and they're at a higher cost. This is a huge topic for a lot of people, especially if they're yeah. not trained in it the way you are. Is there a way that you can make it easy for them by saying, I understand you can't keep up with all this stuff, but keep an eye on this component. Keep an eye on what happens here. Is, is, there, is there a canary in the coal mine sort of thing that you can point to and, uh, and give people a chance to kind of dumb it down for themselves? Well, I would say working with us, we try to stay abreast of the markets, but indicators, I would say interest rates are a wonderful way to understand where the overall economy is going. It kind of forecasts what, you know, what's going to happen in the future. And I always point to the 10-year treasury as a great indicator. Uh, That's the U.S. That's the best credit in the world. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that 1.5, 1.6 right now, I mean, that's a 50% increase over where we were at the beginning of the year as far as that interest rate. So that is inflationary. And so that's an indicator. So, all right, well, we need to be a little bit more mindful of how we want to invest. Okay. Uh, Honestly, 1.5 sounds kind of low to me. It's (laughs) historical lows. But 50% increase on a 1% investment, that has a significant Okay, so it's the impact. Speed. It's the speed of the change. Okay. Yes, the speed of the change, and then, but 
Overall, if we look at mortgage rates at, you know, roughly 3%, you know, uh, for a 30-year mortgage, that's very, very low compared yeah. to where we were even 10 years ago. And that should be helping the uh, the real estate business. It, in, it in helps course. it to an extent. Yeah. Um, then again, it's supply and demand. If you mm-hmm. can find, you know, particularly yeah. <laughs> in this, in the different metropolitan areas, as far as real estate, it's very, very difficult to, to find housing. Uh, if you're buying it or if you're renting, you know, rent prices are very expensive. So it, it's really a supply and demand. And as things become more scarce, then the inflation seems to be a huge issue and impact our overall uh, economic environment. Okay. I'd like to get back to this person, this, this hypothetical investor mm-hmm. who I mentioned earlier, who is just kind of overwhelmed by all this. Mm-hmm. And maybe taking a little bit of a head in the sand approach by saying, you know what, I'm just going to ride this out. Um, I'm just going to let my money sit in a money market. Um, at least it's getting, at least I'm getting that $500 on my $100,000 investment. And that's better than nothing. Um, and, but you're but okay. But there's a big but. There's but. a big but. Tell tell us what the but is. The big but is your purchasing power is eroded significantly. There you go. So if we're even talking about just a three or four percent rate of inflation, and you're getting a half a percent, you're losing on an annual basis. So what does that really money. mean? You're, you're losing, losing money. money. You're losing money. You're losing that purchasing power. It doesn't show up in the. It doesn't. Doesn't look like it's red. It's no. not red ink no. in, in your statement. No. But you're losing money. Right. So yeah. besides, you know, burying your head in the sand, <laughs> it's important to open up the statement so you know exactly where you are, and we can help you with that. But just for an example, a three percent weight of inflation. You mm-hmm. lose half of your purchasing power in about 23 years. So if we think about people retiring roughly 65, they're going to you know, be in retirement, let's say, 30, 35 years. Um, you, you, you can't afford to have these low rates of return on your investments. So what our goal is to outpace the rate of inflation and uh, do better than that. Because the purchasing power is a huge piece of this. We all know what inflation is, but, you know, just the price of groceries, you look at what it is for the, you know, gas prices, or even just your utility bill. You know, those are things that you can't really, you have to pay that money. Mm -hmm. You have to heat your home. You have to cool your home. So you have to pay those those prices. And... we, it's malpractice on our part if we don't look at other ways of investing that can give you a higher rate of return. And at least what we talk about is the real rate of return. And that's, let's say you get 8% on an investment, but inflation's three, your real rate of return is 5%. Exactly. So let's say I'm thinking about retirement. I'm not, but let's say I am. <laughs> I'm way too young for that. <laughs> okay. But, uh, I'm getting close to retirement. Right. And I'm thinking, uh, I think I need X amount of money in order to just go, okay, I don't have to worry about income anymore. I'm just going to live off Social Security and my investments and, and the growth in the investments, the dividends, et cetera. Um, and 
I'm going to live for another uh, 30 years, say. Yes. So I need enough for 30 years. Yes. But how do I know what that target number is if if inflation keeps changing? Last year, inflation, we were at, what, 2.5% or Correct. something? Correct. Now we're at 5.5%. Right. And climbing. Next year, who knows what it could be? It could be 6 could right. be... Right. Oh, uh, uh, it could be seven and a half percent next year. Who knows? Right. At the rate we're going. So how do you how do you plan? Well, we have to plan more or less in a linear um, expectation. That I mean, that's the best that we can do. But to be more specific, we want to know where the income is coming from. So it's coming, as you mentioned, from your investment, Social Security. The retirement plan from your employer or an IRA or a group of IRAs, that, those three are going to be your income sources. Then what we want to do is look at what your expenses are right now and also kind of project what you think it's going to be when you're ready to retire. And a lot of times the mortgage goes away so that, you know, that creates a little bit uh, more uh, income that you will be able to save because we still need to save. And that's what my job is, is to be able to predict what we best think it's going to, you know, the income that's going to be required to meet those expenses. So I say linear because that's the only way that we can do it. Well, we can do some Monte Carlo uh, calculations, which are a little bit, um, you know, give different scenarios as far as probability of rates of return. But in general terms, it's kind of linear, but we know that it's going to vary. You know, mm -hmm. some years we're going to get great rates of returns and, you know, historically stocks have returned about 10%. Um, and we might get better like we did last year, or we might get a little bit less or even a negative rate of return. So we've got to calculate for that as well. So we would want to use maybe a baseline of about 6 or 7% as a forecast of that linear rate of return. So as you see, if we're looking at inflation being roughly about 3%, we've got to, you know, we've got to get a portfolio that's going to return, you know, maybe 8 to, you know, 9, 10% in order just to have a real rate of return. To get me to the 30 years. Right. Yeah. And, and the 30 years, I mean, a lot of times what we're finding is clients are are in retirement longer than they were working in their professional careers. Hmm. So, and life expectancy is a lot longer than it was even 10 years ago. Yeah. So my grandmother passed away in 1991 and she was 90 years old and, and that's, that's, you know, old, but 90 year olds <laughs> today, that's commonplace. I'm going to get there. Yeah, that's right. So, 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 and that's one of the reasons why when we plan, we're planning for age 95 or even a little bit longer. So 16 years ago, when I first started my practice, we were looking at age 90 as, you know, that was a goal. And so we've increased it and, yeah. and, and we continue to increase it because longevity in life is real. And if we're talking about inflation, Steve, uh, you want to definitely make sure your investments are providing a real rate of return yeah. Yeah. and we're taking into consideration inflation. And this, this is maybe just a bump in the road as far as inflation, but it's real. So we do have to account for it.
Yeah, it's a real good news, bad news thing. I, yes. The good news is I could live to be 95. Correct. Bad news is I could live to be 95. Right. Right. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, and, and, and we want to make sure we don't run out of money. Yeah. So yeah. we want to, you know, the combination of those, yeah. um, you know, uh, from Social Security, personal savings, and your retirement accounts, we want to make sure that, you know, money is going to last as long as you're alive. Yep. So... Yep. That's that's and, and that makes it real. Inflation really really complicates this. It does. You, you've got a tough job. But yep. It sounds like you're earning your money. Right. This has been a fascinating topic. Uh, I'm sure there's way more that you, that you could be talking about. And in fact, if anybody has any questions about inflation, following the, this edition of Grand Turbo Money Cast, I'm sure you'd be happy to talk to them. Absolutely. What's your phone number? Well, the phone number is three zero three two two eight. 3160 and we're at okay. grandersonwealth.com and uh, we can set up an appointment. Uh, we do a complimentary initial consultation and uh, usually 30, 45 minutes and you know we can kind of determine how we can help you and as I mentioned it doesn't you know I guarantee you that you'll walk away with something that you'll be able to use even if we're not able to if you're not able to engage mm-hmm. our services. Okay. That's, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time, but I have uh, we have one more and very important question, which is, what's the investment tip of the month? Well, the little teaser that I talked about at the at the top of this uh, podcast is online banks, and it provides a tremendous amount of return and FDIC insured, not a lot of money to uh, get started with. And uh, some of them have zero dollars to open the account, flexibility of being able to get your money the next day. But the best part of this account, it's FDIC insured, and the current rate is 0.50% opposed to the 0.05% that I mentioned that a lot of the banks and credit unions offer. So some of the, um, so what I would direct you to is, the uh, bankrate.com, which is uh, online, and the top rates right now are coming from Goldman Sachs Marcus account, and uh, American Express also offers one, and Citibank. So even though you may have a Citibank account, you can go online and get a higher rate of return. And the reason why they're able to offer this higher rate of return is that they don't necessarily have the bricks and mortars to support this account. So everything is online. They don't provide any paper statements. Everything comes to you electronically. You sign up electronically. You're verified electronically. And as a result, they're able to pay the higher rate of return. So to contrast this, at the beginning of 2020, the same account was paying a little over 1%. So since rates have come down considerably, mm-hmm. but we say, and then you kind of say, well, you know, oh, how, why aren't they paying more? But they are paying, you know, 10 times more than what you're able to get at the credit union or the banks. So yeah. online, it's all a matter of online banks. Yeah. That's my tip with the. Okay. <laughs> well, that gives us something to think about. Thanks, Gregory. This has been a great conversation. All right. Well, thank you so much, Steve. Thank you, Stephanie. I really appreciate it uh, for making all of this happen. We'll talk to you again next time. Thank you. You've been listening to Grand Turbo Money Cast, where we discuss some of the most important investment issues affecting your portfolio. 
Check back regularly for future editions of Grand Turbo Moneycast. And for more information, go to grandersonwealth.com. Have a good day and a grand portfolio.